Welcome to the Cinema Draft Podcast, presented by DraftStream, a discussion show about movies, gaming, and the unexpected cultural detours that color our life. Please enjoy your stay and enjoy the show. It's your boy, Eduardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the Cinema Draft and Draft Stream Games. We're going solo tonight. This shortened Thanksgiving week has already caused a little bit of havoc with our guest schedule. So you get me tonight. Might even be a shorter show for you. So you luck out at the end. And tonight we're going to be covering our top five things that I'm personally watching now from the, the Cinema Draft Draft Stream game. And before we get into that, usually we start off with something, you know, tell us something good. And Well, first of all, look at my beautiful background. I am a Seattle native, repping on my chest, repping in my head everywhere I go. So enjoy the lovely background. But it is Thanksgiving week and, you know, I guess we should be thank, thankful for a few things, even if, we can all acknowledge the true nature of the holiday is a bit fucked up. <laughs> but yeah, so I am thankful for the other thing, which is exploding right now, which is Bitcoin. That's right. Blacks in Bitcoin. Yeah. My little site, blacksinbitcoin.com, in case you are interested. But no, Bitcoin is rising, uh, pulling up the rest of the altcoins with it. It's just a great time to be alive. Everyone recognizing the great store value that Bitcoin is. If you don't have some now, you think it's too expensive, get some now because I promise you within our lifetime, most likely within the next five to 10 years, we'll, it will be worth over a million dollars per Bitcoin. 19,000 is a bargain. All right. So, you know, without further ado, let's just jump into it. The top five things I am watching and let me share my screen. All right, there we go. Now, the first thing, first thing I guess I guess I'm watching from last week's talent pool would be I hate Susie, and these are in no order, mind you. You know, not, I don't have them ranked per se, but I really did enjoy I hate Susie. I hate Susie. Story of yeah, here here it goes. A female celebrity has her whole life upended when her phone is hacked, and a photo of her emerges in an extremely compromising position. Basically, her dick pics got out <laughs> with a guy who was not her husband. So that was really fun to examine. Billy Piper, I mean, she's she's just so great. I, I don't we don't see enough of her over here in the United States. I first was exposed to her way back in the aughts, in the noughties, as they call them, uh, with Secret Diary of a Call Girl. I thought she was great in that. I did not realize she was in Mansfield Park. That was her? Seriously? She was Fanny? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't. Okay. I, no, I did see this. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I get. You know what? That was her. Yeah. So she's, she's had an interesting career, mostly away from the 
the eyes of us of, of us uh, Americans. Oh, Penny Dreadful. Yeah, I wouldn't have seen that. No, but yeah, she's great. She's she's at the center of everything in this. I think she co-created this with a writer named Lucy Preble, P-R-E-B-B-L-E. And it's just amazing. I mean, it's just amazing work. I mean, she's obviously beautiful. She's got these very broad and expressive features. And they do a really good job of playing to the neuroses of of a one-time kind of not quite a child star, more like a teen star. Uh, a teenage star who's kind of been coasting off of it part of her life, kind of stumbled her way into like a genre TV show that made her popular again. And watching all that fame being, you know, put at risk for an extramarital affair. And and the way they handle it with the the camera work and how she may be losing her mind or maybe she's becoming more honest with who she really is. All these all these roles that we take on as we kind of stumble through life, you know, wife, mother, you know, actor, friend, how all of these roles may slowly kind of chip away at who we really are and kind of the pathway to rediscovering who you truly are and living in the truth of it and the, and the ugliness of it. I thought I thought she was I thought she was really good in this in this role. I think the woman who plays her best friend, uh, Naomi, uh, played by Layla Farzad. I mean, I mean, she is. It's really actually a love story between these two women who've been you know friends since basically junior high or whatever. Uh, uh, Naomi Naomi acts as her agent and sometimes drug procurer, and it's just a really great. Yeah, here here we go. Naomi and 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 Susie, I mean, it's like most long-running relationships. It's slightly dysfunctional, but they do truly love each other in their own twisted ways. And it really is about their friendship and just kind of the test, the endurance of their friendship during these difficult, troubling times. I really like Layla Furzad. I need to see her in more stuff. Uh, she's new to me, uh, but I think she's done most of her work also over in the UK. It's very. This is all set in London, very UK set centric, somewhat in the Brit efficient model. It's only a half hour drama, so that might turn you on to it. And yeah, and all the Billy Piper you can handle. She's just wonderful. Look at these features, man. Just big expressive features. You gotta love it. Gotta love it. So that's my first one. I hate Susie. Uh, another one that I that watched this or this past week was the Fresh Prince of Bel Air reunion. Can I get there? There we go. And as you can see, I rated this uh, a ten out of ten. It had it all. It had all your nostalgia. It had all the the great uh, clips and moments, and it even had yes. The two Aunt Vivs had an original, had the OG Aunt Viv, uh, Janet Hubert, who's taken on, you know, very, very, very low-key, low-grade icon status in the black community, only because, mostly because, not only was she the first, but she's, you know, a strong, dark-skinned black woman who basically kind of stood up for herself and eventually got bounced because a very a much younger, more immature Will Smith had beef with her, and what was beautiful to see in this reunion was they got together and squashed it. It was great. They, they got together and, and, and aired it out. They both apologized to each other, mostly him apologizing to her. Uh, she was dealing with some stuff that he couldn't have possibly known 
uh, happened. And it was just good to see the, the, the gang all back together again. And RIP James Avery, Uncle Phil, just, I mean, just a great actor, great, great actor uh, who, you know, did a lot with Lil, you know, it's, it's, this isn't one of the great comedies of our time, but it really gives you that nostalgic 90s feel. And those of you who, who are younger than I, who discovered it through reruns, I mean, I'm sure it's probably lost a little bit of its luster, a little bit of uh, speed off its fastball. But man, it was great seeing some of those old clips again, doing the Carlton. Doing the, yeah, it's not, uh, yeah, there we go. It's not unusual to be loved by the yeah, I don't even know how it goes. The Tom Jones of it all. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, Alfonso did a, a did a Carlton live at the end with uh, with Will. It, it was just great to see. It really was great to see everybody all grown, living the living their best lives. Just an, just a ray of sunshine in the midst of our pandemic, you know. All right, so another another show I'm watching, and this is from oh yeah uh, from this same talent pool. Big Sky, baby. Draft Mom watched this also, and there's a very there's a very interesting twist at the end, which I will not spoil, but very attractive leads up front. I love seeing Kylie Bunbury get work. I, I thought she was I thought she got the short end of the stick after they canceled her her first MLB woman baseball player uh drama on Fox called Pitch. She was great in that. John John Carol Lynch, veteran character actor. Catherine Winnick, I guess, plays the estranged wife of Ryan Phillippe's uh, private detective. And, and, and this is his partner, uh, Cassie. And they... Yeah, yeah, they... Yeah, they have a very interesting relationship the, the very interesting triangle there where they all kind of hash everything out and it's it's david e kelly i mean it's interesting i'm he's a good writer and even when he kind of steps it down for network tv he knows he knows how to, to write good drama so and, and it's a bit of a mystery as well so i'm hooked can't wait to see where it's going to go next and also nice sweeping vistas of montana aka big sky country so I was happy to see that. Now, going back a talent pool or so, uh, here it is. It uh, What I'm watching is uh, a, a teacher. Now, they dropped the first three episodes the opening weekend, so we got a good flavor for it. And then they're doing one episode a week from there on out. I think it comes out on Hulu. I think they did the first three on FX as well to kind of get people hooked, and they send them over to Hulu. And yeah, call me a creepy old perv, but I'm into it. <laughs> and I mean, it, it's well done. Obviously, you know, abusing your power as a teacher over a student, however consensual, is a bad and illegal thing to do. But I just think these, the way they set these characters, you know, both flawed in their own ways. Obviously, we, we're going to come down on the teacher, you know, no matter how hot she is, Kate, Kate Mara, you know pretty hot girl next door hot you know she's got her own issues you kind of wonder why someone like her would risk it all for for a teenage student even as you know conventionally good looking as nick robinson but it kind of works and 
And it's kind of, and at one point, I think I even tweeted out who's running game on who at this point, because it seems like he's got almost as much control over the situation as she does. And while yes, it will never be okay or legal for her to exploit her position of power and, and age in having a sexual relationship with her student, he's got some game. Like he, you know, he's got his own little kind of semi-star athlete, popular guy at school, uh, jock swagger to him that he's able to effectively kind of play on an emotionally vulnerable, you know, woman. I don't know. It's it's interesting. And they also, uh, strangely enough, set this back in, of all times, to go back to 2013. You're like, okay, what was really, I mean, I seven years ago, I guess we we're in the throes of Obama, but I, I mean, 2013, where, 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 where were you in, in 2013? I guess I was in Vegas playing online poker and live poker, just grinding it out. Um, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's an interesting story. I'll, I'll be interesting, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. We already know how it's going to end. It has to end in disaster. There's absolutely no way these two can run off together and be happy, be happily ever after. So just like a James Bond film, you know how it's going to end, but the entertainment is in the journey. So yeah, so a teacher started on Fox, but now I believe is playing on Hulu or not not Fox FX. Started on FX, now is playing on Hulu. So check that out. Exclusively FX on Hulu. See, so it's an FX show that's on Hulu. I don't get that branding either, but. Find out who. And the last thing I am watching from two weeks ago, Talent Pool, is, of course, The Crown. I enjoy every season. This might be its most enjoyable yet. Every episode looks like a trillion bucks. Great performances, great actors. Let's see if we'll get the right pictures for this. Nope, that's going back. Uh, just... You know, and I mean, you you love you love to see it. You love to see all these these actors playing these real life characters, real life people, and you can and sometimes I mean, begrudgingly they humanize some of their worst tendencies. Like obviously, Charles is a bit of a villain in real life. They humanized him very well in season three of The Crown, uh, where you kind of under kind of came to understand how and why he couldn't be with the woman he loved. You know, Camilla Parker Bowles kind of a lifelong love affair or whatever and how that pushing down those feelings kind of like a raisin in the sun you know what happens to a dream deferred it's like a raisin in the sun does it you know grow or something or does it explode i can't remember the lorraine hansberry opening poem but yeah but it basically kind of explodes into a dysfunctional bundle of uh, into it basically into a dysfunctional block of ice an emotional block of ice where he really can't truly share the rest of his life with anyone as so long as camilla parker bowls around so i thought emerald fennel uh is is great at camilla parker bowls you may also know her as the showrunner to killing eve uh, the bbc uh production that's won a few Emmys, very popular. I enjoy Killing Eve myself. Nothing will top that first perfect season, though, I don't think. Anyways, The Crown also brings on Gillian Anderson, DePaul Theater School alumnus, alumna, as a very, very convincing Margaret Thatcher. Nails the voice and the mannerisms and all of that. 
it's wild. It's it's good stuff, uh, and unnervingly so. And they humanize her as well. You kind of find out. I mean, and I, I totally forgot about the Iron Lady, a movie I'm actually rewatching right now, uh, for another reason. That I'll get into later. But you kind of forget that Margaret Thatcher was the daughter of a shopkeeper, very very working class, truly believed in in you know being totally self reliant and. And and the whole pull yourself up by your own bootstraps type stuff, you know, banking on no help from anybody, which is a bit of a fraud. We all need help from people. We all need a social safety net. You know, you know, nothing, no one is on a continuous trajectory upwards. But it was really interesting to see how Julian Anderson channeled that 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 Thatcherian stick-to-itiveness and do something and 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 you must rely only on yourself and your wits and hard work is the only work at all and the way that that her Margaret Thatcher got down was always to work hard like she didn't really know what having fun is fun is in doing the work as she says in in a Balmoral episode two so seeing the kind of culture clash between her hardworking working class sensibilities as as the new prime minister of England in 1980, 79, 80, somewhere, somewhere around there, and butting up against, you know, the queen, born into privilege and power, raised to be, you know, the, the queen of England, thrust upon her at an early age, you know, presses down all of her natural tendencies and emotions until she's this perfectly formed symbol, symbol of, I wouldn't say passivity, but uh, impartiality impartiality and repressed feelings that kind of and kind of coming up against the inertia of the, the crown who will be there when you come in as a prime minister and will be there when you go out as a prime minister seeing that kind of inertia of royalty up against an active getting her hands dirty you know everyday leader from working class everyday working background it's just fascinating just fascinating in the ways they they portrayed it just two great actors at the top of their game this is going to get all the Emmys. Book it now. And then also, of course, this is the season of Diana. I mean, I'd heard some people weren't totally in love with Emma Corrin's portrayal of Diana. I honestly thought it was pitch perfect. You go back and listen to the Diana tapes or or, or see her, her public appearances. She nails a lot of the mannerisms, the kind of shy, retiring voice and all of that good stuff. Uh, I mean, it makes you really, her, her portrayal of Diana makes you really kind of want to seek out a little bit more about it. I ended up watching a Netflix show, Netflix movie. Uh, I think it was basically the tape conversations of, of Princess Diana and could get a little more added background, see where the, the fact and the fiction kind of diverged. Highly recommend it. So The Crown, and this is, of course, they go on two-year cycles with the cast. So this cast having played seasons three and four are being swapped out next year. I believe uh, Elizabeth Debicki is playing Diana. Uh, Amelda Staunton is playing, uh, is playing Queen Elizabeth. Thatcher's out. And I'm trying to remember who's playing Prince Charles. Actually, no, we can actually look this up. Duh. Because we are here. Yeah, all we have to do is go to yeah the episode guide, Let's go season five, which I think they already have filmed or in the process of filming. So hopefully that'll be out next year. Yeah, Melda Staunton, Jonathan Price will be, I guess, King. 
I'm sorry, uh, Prince Philip. Leslie Manville will take over Helena Bond Carter's role as Princess Margaret. Uh, yeah, there we go. And oh, that's all I've got listed. So anyways, looking forward to that next iteration of the season. And, you know, check out season four. It's excellent. I highly recommend it. And so those are the five things I am watching now. We're going to take a short break and then be this, and then introduce you guys to those of you who are new to the program about the draft stream game, how it works. And then we'll be back with our quarantine movie of the week and a draft stream alpha test game update. Be right back. Movie theaters are on hiatus, but we here at Cinema Draft are not. DraftStream is the streaming content version of the Cinema Draft game you know and love. Just like with Cinema Draft, you have a $100,000 salary cap for a 10-actor call sheet. No more, no less. But in this one, you have to have at least one of three types of actors for your 10-actor call sheet. Headliner, co-star, and day player. Scoring is based on a weighted average of Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic scores plus audience and user scores. Headliners get a 40% bonus while co-stars receive a 20% bonus over day player points. There's a weekly minimum $50 prize pool shared by the top two non-Cinema Draft employee call sheets. Or you can go low. Cinema Draft offers a minimum $10 lowball bonus to the lowest scoring call sheet of the week. To qualify, your call sheet must spend at least $75,000 of your budget, use at least one actor from three separate titles in the talent pool, and, of course, roster at least one headliner, co-star, and day player to your 10-actor call sheet. The game runs from Thursday evening to Monday afternoon with daily updates on Saturday and Sunday before final scoring after Monday, 12 p.m. Pacific time. Currently, we are alpha testing DraftStream in a rudimentary spreadsheet-based format while we work on adapting it for digital play. Tweaks happen almost weekly due to player feedback. We really need the data, so please help us out and play the game. A link to the most current talent pool is included in the podcast description. Please review the rules tab and submit your call sheet by Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Thanks again for your help and good luck. And we're back. All right. So before I forget too, one thing that I am also watching that I can't believe I overlooked, probably one of the most exciting shows I'm watching right now. And I'm going to share my screen with you. Do that now. There we go. Is the TV show industry. It's basically, uh, how, how did someone put it? Basically, The Wolf of Wall Street meets Melrose Place. That seems pretty accurate. A lot of young, hot uh, people who are uh, traders in London's financial district. Uh, 
the modern day London financial district, just, you know, being hot, young, having a lot of sex. It's a very sexy show, you know, lots of gratuitous nudity. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and some very compelling young stars. I mean, these guys, I mean, these guys are all like, I mean, I've never heard of any of them, um, to be honest with you, but they're all really doing a great job. Shout out to, I want to say, Mihala Harold, I think that's her name. She plays kind of the, the protagonist, uh, Harper, uh, young American over there mixing up with the Brits, has a bit of a shady past. We see her in the pilot forging her, her transcript for some reason. So there's a story there, I'm sure. Uh, and she's out to, to be the best. She's being mentored by Ken Lung. Not sure if you remember him. Uh, right now they have her rooming with uh, uh, this one right here, her character name is uh, Yas Yasmin Darakashani Karani. Uh, she's basically a bit of a trust fund kid. Her mother is uh, uh, insanely wealthy, and so she kind of lives in one of her mom's flats. And uh, yeah, sorry for the, the bad British accents here, but <clears throat> I love me a good accent. Great British accent show here for you if you're a connoisseur like I am. And yeah, and so their dynamic is is getting to be more interesting. I think we're only three episodes in. This poor guy worked his tail off to 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 be part of the team, but uh, and I just I enjoyed it immensely. I was tweeting about it last night, and uh, Mihala she uh, actually liked one of my tweets, so I'm very excited about that. But yeah, so oh yeah, and the black dude Gus. Uh, yeah, let's actually get a good picture with him in it. There we go. This guy. This face he has right here, this is the face he makes the entire fucking series. He is so annoying. I don't know if he's like Joffrey evil, but right now uh, my tweet said basically there may not be a bigger dick on series TV right now than Gus. It's not cute, but I guess every good drama needs a villain, <laughs> and she liked that tweet, and it's true. He's, he's, not, he's not a good guy. He's not a good guy, uh, at least so far. Very full of himself. Very cocky, likes breaking up relationships. Uh, kind of is is keeping a relationship of his uh, in the closet per se. As he's gay, I don't think he necessarily hides that, but he's having a relationship with one of his superiors. Not a good look. So I don't know, but yeah, he's a bit of a dick. Anyway, he went to he went to Eton and Oxford, so he's got he's got all that up in his in his head. So yeah, he's he's. Pretty high in his own supply, but I, I really enjoy the show so far. Like I said, the first three episodes have already been have already been uh, let out one uh, one at a time this uh, the past three weeks. But now, word on the street, according to Mihala, her the star, so she she should know. Share shares of industry HBO will be definitely up this Friday as the show is releasing its final five episodes all at once on HBO Max. Now, I don't know if that means that they're dumping the show or it's meant to be binged. I don't care. I love the show. I'm binge it. That's what I'm doing, I guess, uh, after all the football's done Thursday night uh, at Thanksgiving. All right. So so that's that's the last denim to what I'm watching. On to the... Draft, oh, sorry, not even draft stream update. Well, let's go to our quarantine movie of the week. Our quarantine movie of the week last week was The American President. Oh, no, no, actually, no, it wasn't. That was, uh, it was uh, Me Before You, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was, it was Me Before You. 
For some reason, I did not pin that. Bad Eduardo. Yeah, pinned to the profile. Duh. All right. It was me before you. And, you know, a bit of a weepy. Hope you guys watched that this past week if you haven't seen it before. The movie this week is going to be... Actually, let's get off industry. The Iron Lady. As I alluded to earlier... And the Iron Lady basically has an elderly Margaret Thatcher kind of revisiting, you know, her her life as she's slowly deteriorating in a care facility as the retired prime minister. And this is a role that won Meryl Streep an Oscar. So it's worth checking out for that. And I started rewatching it just today. So I'm about maybe a, a third of the way through and kind of hits on all those earlier themes I mentioned in our discussion of The Crown. The resilience, the self-reliance, the, you know, all of those mores she kind of had ingrained into her as a shopkeeper's daughter, you know, hard work and so it's kind of coming to play. But also it's 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 a bit of a tough watch too because it's hard to watch, and Meryl Streep does a great job at this. It's hard to watch her in decline. We know Meryl Streep is as vital and vibrant as ever, but it's hard to watching someone even Margaret Thatcher, who everyone's got an issue with. I have an issue with her. Her brand conservatism, you know, basically threw the United Kingdom into a toilet for a decade. But just watching someone in decline, someone you who you know was once at the top of their game, and, you know, if, if given all their mental faculties would just be sharp as a tack and have a lot to contribute to society, just watching her play someone in decline is tough. That's how great a performance and an actor Meryl Streep is. So that's our our quarantine movie of the week. Tweet me at Play Cinema Draft on Twitter with your tweet length review. All right. And so finally, we will take a quick look at this week's talent pool. As mentioned in the newsletter. Well, actually, well, I'm, and I'll, I'll tweet this out, actually, so if anyone follows us on Twitter as a reminder. Basically, our, your call sheets are due tonight. You're probably seeing this Wednesday. And because of the Thanksgiving holiday coming on Thursday, no one wants to be filling out a call sheet. And no one probably will fill out a call sheet for Thursday. So we are pushing up to Wednesday. We'll have our normal updates Saturday with the podcast, uh, with, a, with a podcast video Sunday with just the email update, and then Monday with the final results and next week's talent pool. So definitely get your call sheets in tonight, 6 p.m. Pacific time, three max call sheets as per usual, follow the rules. And at first, at you know quick glance, there could be some value here in Black Beauty, Disney movie, Disney Plus movie, Everyone's home during the holidays, family movie. Everyone can watch it together. Might be some value at 8,400. Kate Winslet, Kate Winslet, Mackenzie Foy as your headliners. Uh, what else is interesting? Death Sember. Eh, not off to a good start, but I think it's getting reviewed fairly well. So I'm not sure if this actually has value on the high end, but if you're going for a low ball call sheet, you might have some value here. Fat Man, I I don't think this is going to perform pretty well as reflecting the pricing. 7100, Mel Gibson, 
why is he still here? <laughs> Walton Goggins. Oh, I love Walton Goggins. I might have to watch it just for Walton Goggins. He's great. Shout out the Unicorn Hive, if there is such a thing. Also, girl, I don't know. VOD, haven't seen much advertising for this at all. But I like the leads in it. Bella Thorne, Mickey Rourke. Seems kind of gritty and dirty. Young woman returns to her small hometown intent on killing her abusive father. Only discovers someone murdered him the day before. As the girl searches for answers, she uncovers a family legacy more dangerous than she had imagined. Reel me right in, why don't you? All right, so I think we we'll have to check this out. But not off to a great start, as you can see. And this came, come, this came out today. All right, so you see people weighing in on this today already. This one right here at 12300 might be your biggest bargain. Happiest season. Uh, <laughs> basically, um, Mackenzie Davis plays uh, a young uh, a woman with a girlfriend who whom she brings home for, I guess this is this Thanksgiving for Christmas, but she but no one knows that she's out yet, so they're kind of playing off of that. I mean, it's 2020, a little bit of a I wouldn't say it's a totally dated situational comedy. But I love the cast. This cast is, is pretty great. So I'm definitely probably going to give it a, a shot. And I think it's got some feel-good potential, like seriously. Um, and I think Allison Brie wrote this. Is that correct? No, I'm sorry. No, she, oh, she stars it. Clea Duvall. There we go. Clea Duvall, actor and a writer. She wrote and directed this. So... I'm intrigued. I think it's got some feel-good potential. And if you're filling out your, your low-ball call sheets, Hillbilly LG is just getting just decimated. I mean, just destroyed. Although, it was interesting. It seems like the audiences are giving it a comeback. The The critics hate this movie. So it's already at, at a, starting out at a deficit. But it looks like... and it Oh, and it came out today as well. Wow, my days are blowing together. 24, so that's today. came out today... So audiences are starting to discover it. What about Google? What, did, what does Google say? Eighty-six percent. Wow, I am conflicted. And look at this. Hillbilly Elegy is one of the worst movies of the year. A dreary movie. Anguish into human anguish into Oscar bait. I mean, just cynical titles, but people actually like this. So you know what? I'm gonna have to check it out. I'm gonna have to do it. We'll see what the draft mom thinks of this as well. And and then Saved by the Bell, one of the highest priced titles this weekend. 15,500 for Elizabeth Berkeley and Mark Paul Gosseler. This is the reboot. It's on it's on Peacock. In this case, you're probably you're paying for points, not for for value, I'm pretty sure. I doubt this gets anywhere near 120, 125 points you need for value per se. But yeah, I, I'd probably have some exposure to this. Maybe get the headliner stack in there, or if it doesn't do as well as we think it will, then this could be the this could be the the salary anchor you need to get to the requisite seventy five thousand for the lowball call sheets you may enter. So check that out. Saved by the Bell, the reboot. I know I probably will as well. Super Intelligence, Melissa McCarthy, Bobby Can Canavale. 
I'm sorry, Bobby Cannavale. There we go. He's Italian. Cannavale. I actually think I'm up for this little uh, sit uh, uh, sitcom as well. Situational com. I guess sitcoms aren't necessarily just TV. You can have a situational comedy that's a movie. So this seems like a very situational comedy-ish thing. A super intelligence tries to study an average woman while the fate of the world hangs in the balance. Oh, as the AI decides to enslave, save, or destroy humanity, it's up to Carol to prove that people are worth saving. Sounds, uh, look, I'm in. Any, give me anything with, a, with an evil AI and I'm in. Nobody's watching the show called Next. It actually already got pre-canceled. They're not bringing it back for a second season. So they're burning off the episodes. But this is actually really good. I'm enjoying the hell out of this. John Slattery plays kind of like a, 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 a slightly older Elon Musk type person, but like a lot less flashy maybe and a lot more paranoid, let's put it that way. And his own AI that he helped build is trying to destroy the world. So, and it's it's really freaky the things they're doing with it, but it's worth watching, honestly. If you want to see the extent of this stuff, you should check out Next in its 10 lonely little episodes. I mean, I don't know if anyone, I don't think anyone will pick it up, but it's a really good show. I enjoyed it. And it's flying totally under the radar for reasons, I guess. All right. So we're going to bring this in for landing there. Usually this would be the part of the episode where I'd ask someone to plug their ish. I have no ish to plug except for, of course, Bitcoin. And if you want to know more about Bitcoin and my involvement in it, go to blacksinbitcoin.com. A lot of great stuff there you can find out if you're new to Bitcoin and engage with. Or you can read some of my articles and thoughts on cryptocurrency and the direction Bitcoin's headed in. All right. So thanks, everybody, for watching this week. No real guests, just what I'm watching. Appreciate your playing. We are weeks away, a mere weeks away from having a working web app. So hang in there with us just a few more weeks with the spreadsheets. Get your call sheets in by 6 p.m. Pacific time this Wednesday, probably today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for playing. And I will see you next time with guests, I hope. Fingers crossed. Thanks, everybody. Where can you find Cinema Draft? We are on Twitter, at Play Cinema Draft, Facebook, Cinema Draft, Instagram, at Play Cinema Draft, Medium, at Cinema Draft, that is our corporate blog. We're even on Pinterest, Cinema Draft. Also, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Music, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And finally, please visit us at cinemadraft.co and sign up for an invite to the relaunch. We will always have games where you can sign up, play for free, and win real money. Cinema Draft is a registered mark of Cinema Draft LLC. Both the Cinema Draft game and the CD3D decentralized app token are for entertainment purposes only.